to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo so kono hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basakala mashida bahaya mambro dos dagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel perfect and he has put all things under his side under his side It's good to see you. And um God is with us. God is with us. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is we are we're having partnership service. And during partnership service I normally like to uh teach a few things on giving. And every partnership service I take time to teach on giving because of the importance it has. Hallelujah. So even today I'm going to talk about teaching and the importance that it has and a few things like that. And today today what I'm going to teach you is so important. It's one of those things that when you learn listen and I mean every word 10 years later you must be able to say that teaching changed my doctrine. It shifted my perspectives and put me on course. There are teachings you hear. For example, if I was to ask you what teaching changed your life in Hof, what could it be? Do you remember one that you say that one has blessed me? Chipo, which one is it? Atara. Chisambo. Ati oh. I'm calling people randomly so people are under pressure now. to think of the same ones iwe <laughs> how about you atuhu love environment good excellent <laughs> i'm coming if I, if i'm just moving around and i point at you you say the same one that's the game we're going to be playing through this teaching i catch you you tell me a teaching You don't tell me you asha you stand. Hallelujah. Mm tetinde funda fefile ingira fefile fumdeti. Now. We are going I'm going to talk about what I have I've titled today giving in spirit and in truth. Giving in spirit and in truth. The Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the Samaritan woman said a time cometh that true worshipers shall arise and they shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth in spirit and in truth hallelujah 
So already that tells you that giving is a form of worship. But do you even know that? But once you know it, you want to do it in spirit and in truth. But let me begin with sharing a dream that I had earlier today. Yes. This is this morning. Now, the strange part is the way that the priest is dressed today is how they were dressed in the dream. As in, there's, there's been prophetic, then there's what you are. As in, you're prophetic. <laughs> and the other departments as well. <laughs> I may not exactly remember how you are dressed, but God is still with you. It is well with your souls. Now, in this dream, um, listen, we were growing, we were growing so fast as a ministry. What the pandemic was still ongoing, but we still we are still growing numerically. I don't know, but this is how God does things sometimes. Remember, I told you at the beginning of the year. When the enemy rises up like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise a standard against him. And what I told you is, if you are in school, don't think that because you have closed school, then you've closed ministry. Some of you will be surprised that when, you, when we meet in eternity, the only reason you came to Lusaka was not because of school. It was so that you can be part of Hof. You will realize that that was the reason why in the calendar of God you came to Lusaka and you came here so that you could come. I'm telling you, you think school is the reason why you came here. <laughs> That's what I thought too. And I got the school. I got my degree. I got with this what? I'm getting a master's. But all these things, the reason I came here is so that I could meet you and I could do ministry with you. You need to understand what's in the calendar of God versus what's in the calendar of human beings and your personal life. You need to know that. As you are going this side, you should be, in your heart, you should be, okay, what is in the mind of God? Okay, please kindly settle your situations um, so that we can focus. Or like a know. Calm down. Okay, so please ensure that you are settled. This is not your church for at school. <laughs> there are some people who think, ah, this is my church for at school. No. Once you join, you have joined. It's not just your church for at school. Even when you are home, you stay in touch. Listen, God wants to touch a lot of kids in high schools. And twice, God has spoken to me. And I was surprised. You, you know, some of you are so disobedient, you don't know it. Because you, 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 you take... You make of no weight the heavy things of God. Let me give you an example. I said, tomorrow, after I taught, after I taught that the two dreams I had, tomorrow, discuss it in your groups. Some of you never discussed it. Some of you never even attended the meeting. Do you know the Bible says, do not take pearls and cast them to swine. In other words, don't take precious things and give them to pigs because they will devalue them. Every time you devalue things that God is giving to you that are precious under revelations, you are behaving in that dimension. Every time God gives you something valuable, you should give it attention. I'm, I'm telling you the word of God, not my opinions. Can you imagine you, you give someone a precious revelation? Twice God spoke to me. Discuss it in your groups. You didn't. You are waiting for some minister, someone else to start for you. But you heard the voice of your man of God. You know? 
You should not be like that when you receive precious revelations. Don't just say, I'm not a leader. No. Make sure you find a way. Place value on the things that God has placed value on. In your, in your, in your, in your, at least try, start. Don't say they are difficult. You are the one who's difficult. You never try to start. Hallelujah. So let's do that. So this is not your church for at school. God wants to change a lot of your friends' lives. Those who are in school, campus ministry, very important. There are a lot of people that God is going to bring into our environment as a whole from these schools. God is still interested in saving a lot of people in learning institutions. And God has given us that mandate. That's why I'm very heavy on it. That's why I'm talking to you there. I'm talking to you. Because it's on God's heart. What's on God's heart must be on our hearts. How can something be on God's heart? You, it's on your toe. And these days, June, I don't know what happens to people's... (laughs) People's feet, they grow cracks. <laughs> What's on God's heart is in your crack. So <laughs> it should not be like that. What do you call them in your language? <laughs> oh, it's that bad in, in Bemba. Let's make it in English cracks. So that no one is offended. So let's put on our heart what's on God's heart. Hallelujah. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Now, in this vision, um, in this dream that I had early this morning, actually, what was int- what I liked is most of you were serving in your various capacities. You, all of you were serving God, and then I saw, I saw. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lombe, they were doing, they were doing, they were dancing and they were doing break dance and they were doing. And then Chiza, <laughs> where is Chiza? Chiza was taking a video and he was able to roll on the floor to take, like everyone was serving. When, now, when I woke up, that simply meant these people are willing to serve God even in the most uncomfortable ways. Now, it was not just you, those people, I just remember specifically that. But they were dancing, people were saving, some were cleaning, like everybody was doing something. Every, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful sight to behold. Everybody was doing something. And some of the things you were doing were uncomfortable, but you did them still. Praise God. Listen, when, if people keep coming to church, it's the will of God. You, you can't stop the will of God. <laughs> so some of you keep looking behind. Just focus. And then something special began to happen. I began to see many of you were winning souls to Christ. Now, I know this because there were, like we sat in front and there were testimonies. And these testimonies were people saying, Brother so-and-so led me to Christ and brought me for discipleship. Brother, Sister so-and-so led me to Christ and brought me to discipleship. Brother so-and-so led me to Christ and brought me to discipleship. I wasn't part of those testimonies. You, the individual people, had learned the importance of winning souls. And you were bringing them into the kingdom of God. And when they came here, they came for discipleship. God is already, God is already pleased with the work that many of you has been doing, have been doing. But it can get better. Hallelujah. And it's going to get better. Hallelujah. How many are saying we are ready, we are obedient? Yeah. 
And then I turned to some ladies. There were like two of them. I don't remember their faces. But I don't know why this came in, but it's like they were dealing with unforgiveness. I don't know what, what someone did to them or what people did to them, but they were so offended that it reached a place where it's like they had, it's like they had idolized their offenses. Like it's impossible to let them go. They were worshipping. The, these offenses and grudges were sacred. So I was trying to tell them and I began to explain to them why you need to forgive. Why you need to let go. And they were refusing. I don't know what people did to you. Trust me, people do things to me. (laughs) You people do things to me. But I can't manage having that offense. Because it will make the word I'm speaking impure to some extent. And if I'm not careful, I may begin preaching my offenses. But it's not easy. <laughs> you should be praying for, you know, you should be praying for pastors. There are some who will not enter the kingdom of God because people scarred them. They will go, some will go to hell because people scarred them consistently and they couldn't let go of their offenses. It's not easy. It's not easy. Every time they look at the person, they are feeling some kind of way. So pray for your pastors. <laughs> also, those super followers of the men of God, pray for them. The Peters, they will cut off anyone's ear. You talk about my, my pastor, you lose your ear. So just pray for the whole entire village. Why do you need to forgive? Number one, and then Jesus did not tell Peter to throw away the knife. He told him to put it back where it belongs. <laughs> Anyways, just observing what was written. Why do you need to forgive? Number one, because You need forgiveness for your own sins. The Bible says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So you cannot be forgiven any more than you forgive those who offend you. You need your own forgiveness. Number two, number two, why you need to forgive? Number two, is because every time you fail to forgive, you are bound into a time zone. So every time you see a person, you go back to 1999, So you are a slave of a time period. You can't move forward. So you can find your body is here, but your soul is stuck somewhere in 1999. Or what happened in 2004. Or whenever what happened. And this is what happens in the spirit. That's why you need to forgive. Number three, the reason you need to forgive is because you are the one who gets damaged by the unforgiveness. If you don't forgive me, I'm not the one who's, not, who's going to be struggling when sleeping. I'm not the one who's going to be struggling every time you see my post on Facebook. I'm not the one who's going to be doing when I feel the chinkondia on the, on the throat. I'm not the one who's going to be burning with bitterness. So that's why some people say unforgiveness or bitterness is like taking a poison and expecting your enemy to die. You see that? So that's the reason why you need to forgive. Also, you need to forgive because it will bring you healing. A lot of times when people don't forgive, they begin experience there are some sicknesses people get because of grudges. Why? Because they give a foothold to the devil. They give the devil a reason to attack them. Why? Because a characteristic and an environment of which is ungodly is upon them. The Bible says, be ye angry, but in your anger do not sin because you give the, the devil a foothold. You give him access to your body, access to your life. So it becomes easier for you to be attacked. There are a number of people who have been sick with different sicknesses because they have not forgiven. That's why the Bible says, 
pray for one another that you may be healed. James 5.16. Are you seeing that? Yeah. Also, when you forgive, you are the one who is really free. See that? You are the one who is really free because you are the one who is struggling with things at night. And chikonko in the morning. You are the one who is doing instead of praying. So when you forgive, you are really the one who gets free. Hallelujah. If you don't forgive, you go to hell also. In a certain actress's words, for eternity. <laughs> I won't say who. <laughs> In a certain famous movie. So, you want to forgive. Intent is a long time. <laughs> Someone say, I choose to forgive. If you want to understand how to forgive, get my book, The Root Code Bitterness. I explained how. It's a good book and it's for free. Don't go to hell because you never read a free book. And there's power in that book as you read it. It begins to help you with certain things. So that was my dream. So I'm just telling you that we'll keep growing. And you will keep being great ministers. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What are we going to tell Jesus? That we stopped preaching the gospel because of COVID-19. We'll begin telling Jesus, or expecting him to understand. I'll talk about that later. Now, um, when I began teaching, when I began teaching at WEM, I began to talk about the seven streams of the power of God. And I said, number one is the gospel. Number two is faith. Number three is revelation. Number four is obedience. These are the streams of power. Power doesn't just come by saying, in the name of Jesus, there are different dimensions which release power in the, in the word of God as we see it. So I said, the gospel itself is a dimension of power. Faith is a dimension of power. The revelation of the word of God is a dimension of power. Obedience generally, and obedience is expressed in many ways. Obedience to the word of God. Obedience in serving, obedience in, in giving, obedience in, 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 in the instructions that God gave you. I taught a sermon titled The Cost of a Missed Instruction. You'll find it on my, on my, on my podcast uh, uh, channel. I encourage you to listen to it. Sacrificial giving, which I'm going to talk about today. Sacrificial giving. And then the seventh dimension of the power of God is prayer. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 the bible reads Twenda na Yesu Twenda na Yesu Twenda na Yesu Listen the bible reads Now I want you to follow me very closely and I don't want you to miss anything. Like I told you, this teaching is very important. And even if you disagree with it today, if at all it happens that you, you don't agree with it, just keep it. If, if you feel like you are struggling to agree with it, it's just because you can't digest it. But the Holy Spirit will testify to you that I'm telling you the truth. Okay? The Bible says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest 
who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle. Everybody say true tabernacle. Okay, so the true, uh, true, tab, true tabernacle, that means the temple, okay? Which the Lord erected and not man. So the Bible says, the Bible is saying, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Okay, this is Jesus. He's the minister of the sanctuary, of the tabernacle, of the temple, which the Lord himself built. That's in the heavens, okay? That we are trying to say that there is a temple in heaven. And then the Bible is calling it the true tabernacle. Now, if the Bible is saying a true tabernacle, it's trying to suggest that there's a false one or that there's a copy. Are you following? All right. And then the Bible tells us, for, there, for every high priest is appointed to offer, this is important, for every high priest is, is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Both gifts and sacrifices. Every high priest, which is true for every priest, but in the context of the high priest being the Lord Jesus, we are told, the reason why the priest, the high priest is appointed is in order that he may offer gifts and sacrifices. Hallelujah. Then we are told, therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Hallelujah. This is a crowning point of what we are saying. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. He is enthroned with honor next to the throne of the majesty on high. He serves in the holy sanctuary, in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God and not man. Since every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so the Messiah also had to bring some sacrifice. So he has to have something to offer. Even today, as our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ has something to offer. I'll show you as we go on. So there's a temple in heaven. And I'm going to show you Hebrews chapter 25, verse 31. There is the true sanctuary, a temple in heaven, which I believe part of it is still being built. Because of the vision that I had, God showed what I believed to me was a temple, the spiritual house. And it was still being built because more people were getting saved. And every person was like a brick. Every person who got saved was added to that spiritual house being built. Here on earth, <clears throat> make a lampstand, verse 31 that is. Make a lampstand. Now, this is God giving him instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And then he says, make a lampstand of pure hammered gold. Make the entire lampstand and its decorations of, oh, this is, I think this is the NLT, and its decorations of one piece, the best center stem, lamp, cups, buds, and petals. Make it with six branches going out from the center stem, stem three on each side. Each of the six branches will have three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. Craft the center stem of the lampstand with four lamp cups shaped like an almond blossoms, like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. Now, I know you're not even picturing this, some of you, but if you listen, there's some form of detail that God is telling Moses 
to use in order to build the contents of the tabernacle here on earth. Now, the question is, why was God giving him those exact details? That's what we are trying to find out. God is telling him to build the Ark of the Covenant and then the, the tabernacle. And then in the tabernacle was going to be the Ark of the Covenant. But then it had to be built to specific measures. So God is dishing to him and is giving him the blueprint and the contents thereof. And they are with specific measures. Then make seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so they reflect their light forward. The lamps, nuffers, and trays must also be made of pure gold. You will need 75 pounds of pure gold for the lampstand and its accessories. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. In other words, Moses went to the mountain and God began to give him an exact plan, an exact blueprint with specific measures and dimensions with which he was going to build the earthly tabernacle. Why? Because it had to be made like the one which is in heaven. There is a true one or an OG in heaven, but then there is a copy which was going to be a reflection of the one that is in heaven. And then everything that was going to be done in the one that is on earth is going to reflect in the one that is in heaven. All the sacrifices that we are going to be given in the earth, we are going to reflect in the one in heaven. Because God, in his divine technology, was going to link the two tabernacles. Now, this is not difficult because remember, when you look at a computer, it has got two keyboards. There's the one that you are using outside, but there's the one inside bringing the words. And everything you do on the one outside shows on the one inside. So everything that is done on the outside because of the technological connection between the keyboard outside and the keyboard inside, what is done on the keyboard outside reflects on the keyboard inside and produces what you are typing. Hallelujah. So by divine technologies and softwares, there was going to be a link. This is why there had to be exactitude in the design. So there, is, there was a temple here on earth, but then there is a temple also in heaven. But as we move on into the New Testament, the temple is not a place. The temple are people. The priests themselves are people. So you are a walking temple. Are you, are you listening to me? But the, the tabernacle in heaven is still there. And everything that you do with your body, your temple here, reflects in the main temple there. Every gift that you give here reflects in the temple there. And there is a high priest, there's a high priest there who collects your gifts and sacrifices and presents them before the throne there. When you bring them to the temple here, you are the temple. The, the church is called the gathering of the saints, ecclesia. It's a gathering. It's a meeting together. So when we come, we are, we are sing, singular spiritual temples, but we are also be, being built, according to Peter, into one house, one spiritual house to reflect the temple that is being built up there. Every person's life is reflected in the temple that is in heaven. Remember what I told you, when the Lord took me into the heavens, I began to see that there was a temple that was being built, and that temple was incomplete, and I was asking the angel who was taking me, and what I learned was that building is representative of the number of people that are being saved. 
Every person that gets saved is added as a brick, like I told you earlier. So the temple in heaven, because of the new creature dispensation we are in, is still being built to represent what is happening here. Now, this is not, uh, this is the temple of all of us individual people who are getting saved. But there is also the actual temple that has always been there, and everything we do here reflects up there. Are you following me? Okay, let me, let me keep showing you some of these amazing things. One thing that you have learned from what I have cited to you so far is that a priest must have something to offer. And remember, what we told you is that you are, when we are dealing with your identity, is that you are a priest. You are a priest. First Peter 2 verse 9 tells us you are a royal priest. You are, you are not trying to be. You are not working on becoming. The moment you become born again, you become a priest. And whether you don't know what a priest must or must not do does not reduce on your responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities of a priest is that he must be knowledgeable. That's why the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And then he blames it on the priest. He says, because my priests have rejected knowledge, therefore I will reject their children. Ignorance can become a generational curse. And so one of the responsibilities of a person who is a priest, and you are the priest. I, I repeat again. Not you are the priest. So you must not be ignorant. When we talk about tithe, you are blank. When we talk about getting people saved, you are blank. When we talk about dating, the books are here, you are blank. Can you say one thing you learned about the sermons? You are blank. God will reject you when it comes to certain responsibilities and when it comes to certain promotions in the kingdom. Because you've rejected knowledge. Rejection is different from ignorance. It means something presented itself, but you ignored it. You cast it away. So as a priest, it's a responsibility for you to be knowledgeable. But another duty of a priest is to give sacrifices and gifts. And you must know what gifts and sacrifices you should be able to give as a priest. Don't say, well, you're a holy priesthood. You should know what it entails. I see people sometimes, you're a holy... What do you mean? So when I talk about sacrificial giving, I know some of you think it's giving beyond, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your lifestyle as a priest is a life of giving sacrifices and gifts. It's sacrificial giving. Because even prayer is a sacrifice. And every time you type prayer in your temple here, it reflects in the temple in heaven. Listen, okay, let's read a few more things. Praise God. And so, your body, number one, is a sacrifice. When you read Romans chapter number 12, verse 1, we are told, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your body must be a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means you are dead to the world, you are dead to sin, you are dead to your will. And you are dying every day. These deaths are deaths you must decide to be dying every day. And your body must always be a sacrifice. Every time God wants to use somebody, he looks at your body. And you, do you, you realize that the Holy Spirit does not have a body and you are his body here on earth. The Holy Spirit will not function until, you are, un, until and unless you allow him to use your body. So this is why your body has to be sacrificed, given to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
there are some people who sacrifice their own bodies for, to be used of God. There are stories of people who sold themselves, gave the money to charity, then they were taken to places where they took the gospel. Yes. There are people who died horrible deaths. They didn't care. They gave themselves. I told you, many of these terrorists, like Osama bin Laden, it was said of him, he conducted his funeral before he became a terrorist. You think that man cares what happens to him? The Bible says I've been crucified with Christ. That that means the way the body of Christ was crucified, was sacrificed, is the way mine has been sacrificed to. Therefore, I no longer live. So I don't care about my reputation. I'll just preach. I don't care what you say. Niao is posting this, your wisdom diaries. I don't, it, a, a dead man doesn't care what you think. He said, why don't you care what people say? Ah, can, can you imagine a person in the coffin thinking, eh, can put some ripstick in? <laughs> no, dead men don't care. Sometimes you should care less. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So that sacrifice of giving your body is your, the word reasonable comes from the word which, from where we get the word logic, logic, logical. That means it's something that is logically expected of you in the kingdom of God to offer you. It's not a strange thing that you've offered your body. Some people, when they resist fornication that day, oh, I've defeated mountains. But God is just like, hey, sis, <laughs> it's, like, it's your reasonable service. You're offering your body as living sacrifice. You want God to come, to, to come hold the thanksgiving party for you? That thing, it's, it's called reasonable. You're reasonable. It's like, it's, like, it's, it's like what people say, thanking politicians for building roads and building hospitals. They want to be praised. Or, or a parent who should be who should be who should be praised wants to be praised for sending their child to school. It's logical. That's logical. It's expected of you. Don't be parents who demand worship because you've taken your child to school. Don't be that kind of parent in your day. You should know what your responsibility is. I brought you in this world. You should be great. If no, just take responsibility, sir. You brought this child in the world by your own will. You knew what you were doing. Take responsibility. It's reasonable. It's logic. (coughs) So your body is a sacrifice. It's a form of worship to God. The word reasonable service also, other versions say, which is your form of worship to God. What you do with your body can be, can be, can, can connot worship. It's a sacrifice. It always comes up in the temple as a sacrifice. Remember what Balaam did. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter number 2 verse, verse 14, this is Jesus talking. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of, of, of Balaam. He taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. How? To eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. The KJV says he 
taught them to commit fornications. And those were sacrifices to idols. Yes. Because he couldn't curse them. So he taught them how to worship other gods. And exactly how. Every time you are committing fornication, if at all you ever do, you are worshipping some idol. Yes. It's a sacrifice. Just that knowledge you want to stop. Repent, please. How can you hear this? Then you, you go to worship some idol. <laughs> you. Let me show you something. We are talking about sacrifices to offer. There are sacrifices. And you have to continually offer sacrifices as a priest. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what they are. Give me some 141 verse 2. Hallelujah. Psalm 141 verse 2. He says, he says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. So that means prayer is a sacrifice. And he's, he's saying something very spiritual. He says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Those are sacrifices. Your prayer is your sacrifice. The lifting up of your hands as you worship God is a sacrifice. So imagine, everyone is lifting hands and worshiping God. You, deep you, your hands are in your pocket. And some people, you know, I tell you there's a difference between asking questions and questioning things. You can say, ah, why are these people lifting their hands? You're asking a question. Then there's, why are these people lifting their hands? You're questioning. You're questioning what you don't understand. Can you imagine? So there are some people who they came to church and they had an opportunity to put sacrifices in the temple of God by lifting their hands. If the whole time, with these one hours they are giving us, you didn't take advantage. You didn't lift your hand. You just never lifted your hands. See, what you do in your body is very important. It means something. It means something. What you do with your body. Can you imagine? The Bible says, as they were fighting, Moses began to lift his hands. And as Moses would lift his hands, the children of Israel would begin to win. He would lift his hands and they would begin to win. He would drop just lifting hands. Do you know God did not tell Moses to strike the Red Sea? Some of you think that's what he told. He says, stretch your hand, your rod on the Red Sea and divide it. When, there's a reason why the Bible says they shall lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall be healed. When you, when you use your hand, something leaves you into the heavens. But if you're putting them in your pocket, something stays in your pocket. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me see you lift your hands toward heaven. Let me see you. Let me see you. Oh, now you want to do it. Yeah. So now you've learned something. Everybody's fine time. Even when you're worshiping, raise your hands toward God. It means something. It's been recorded. The, the priest has offered the sacrifice. Let me show you something. Go to the book of um, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. The Bible says, Therefore by him, talking about the Lord Jesus, let us continually offer sacrifices of praise. 
You are here, everybody is doing praise. You are standing stiff. Everybody is offering sacrifices in the, in the heavens. Offering sacrifices in the heavens. You, you are stiff. How oh, deep you. So you can imagine, you can imagine in Hof, how many sacrifices we offer every Sunday. And now, some ignorant fellow will come and will say, why are, these too, why are they too excited? One day in heaven you will find out. If I told you, go there. May you go there. <laughs> he says, therefore by him, let us how many times? That's why we do it every Sunday. There's something we saw in the word of God. Listen, there are very few things I do without revelation. Very few. Everything I do, I do with revelation. This is why when you see holy men doing something, don't just copy. There are some things just copy. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. Sacrifices. Sacrifices. We are giving thanks to his name. Why are we constantly saying, oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Every, every, time, every time something bad happens, or I want to laugh at you, I say, we thank God. I'm offering sacrifices. It's better than for me to shut to, to shoot you. I say, oh, we thank God. But I offer a sacrifice. Hallelujah. I'm telling you there are a few things I do without revelation. That's why sometimes ask copy. Because sometimes you get a revelation two years later, then you're like, I can't have been doing the right thing the whole time. What is coming from the depths of your heart as repentance and as praise to God is going higher than the size of the bullock or the bull or the God that is killed in the Old Testament. Are you seeing that? He's calling them sacrifices. Oh boy. Take with you words. Take with you words. It, don't just keep quiet. Say something. It's been recorded as you do it. Said to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good and receive as graciously. So we will render our thanks as bullocks to be sacrificed as sacrifices. In other words, take me back to Hebrews 13, 15. I get concerned when people are quiet. Because there's something they are missing out on. If you don't lift your hands toward God, you lift them somewhere. You are still sacrificing to something else. Yeah. I've seen people lift their hands during football. Yes. I've seen people lift their hands because they failed an exam. They have worshipped the lecturer. <laughs> but you can't do it in the presence of God. Oh, you know. You are magnificent. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I want you to look at the next verse. It says, But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So, you had two yellow shirts. You went to your sister and said, you know what? You can have this one. God receives a sacrifice. Wow. 
an older person did not have where to sit in the bus, you had a good seat. You go to the back and make yourself uncomfortable. The man is comfortable. He sacrifice. Are you, are you hearing me? Somebody impresses you a lot. You encourage them. You say good words and post about them. Sacrifice. He says, for we, he's giving you sacrifices. You come in front here and join the dance group and you dance. You use your body with such good... Where do you want, where, where do you want these kids to... Some people, I wonder when they see people dancing in front, where do you want them to spend their energy? If they dance in church, you don't want it. If you find them in the club, they are spoiled. Better they come here and they dance for God. They, use, they move their bodies, they dance for God. Don't you see... says, for with such sacrifices, you want to please God. As a priest, something has to, we are being told, a priest must have something to offer in order to please God. You should have something to offer. And some of you, there has to be significant offerings and sacrifices that you need to begin doing as a priest. Because what you do here, God is, I'll show you something. I'll show you something. I'll show you where they go. Where these sacrifices go. You need to look at this. Get me back to Hebrews chapter 8. Ah, I'll go to verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also has something to offer. Verse 4. For if he were on earth... For if he were on earth, oh, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Who serve a copy? Are you seeing that? These priests. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. So there are priests in the temple. That is a copy of the heavenly things. Okay? As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Now, this is a crowning point of what we are saying. We have a... Uh, verse, I'm reading the Passion Translation of verse 5. It says, the priests on earth serve in the temple. That is but a copy modeled after the heavenly sanctuary or the heavenly temple. A shadow of the reality. For when Moses began to construct the tabernacle, God warned him and said, you must precisely follow the pattern I revealed to you on Mount Sinai. But Jesus, the Messiah, has accepted a priestly ministry which far surpasses theirs since he is a catalyst of a better covenant which contains far more wonderful promises. In other words, Jesus is the high priest in heaven. And every time we do in the whatever we do in the temples of our body here on earth, remember it reflects and he receives those sacrifices and he presents them into the temple of God on our behalf. Get me to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. This is why your giving is very spiritual. Because giving is just one of those sacrifices. And this one has got a very special place. So every time you are not giving, the record is absent of your sacrifices. 
It doesn't matter you are broke, you don't have money. As long as you're not giving, there's nothing. It doesn't matter. Some people want to be understood. I have no money. They will understand. The temple will not understand. <laughs> One day you find there, then you find it empty in your account. Very important. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of censer, which are the prayers of the are you, remember, are you remembering what I told you? The prayers are going up as incense. So David was not just speaking from without. He was speaking from revelation. It means as he was praying, he didn't know, but God was putting words in his mouth. Because he says, let my prayer and my lifting of hands come as a sacrifice and also as incense. But this is exactly what's happening in heaven. Look at this angel. The Bible says, and, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, a golden uh, and golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I'll show you about the angel. This is the, this, this is the elder. So he was carrying the prayers as incense before God. So now if you're just complaining, what kind of prayers are those? What kind of sacrifices are those? That's, that's, that's what some people, some people will tell you, oh, just complain about it, you feel better, it ends. They are telling you to walk according to the flesh. You can say things and feel good in the flesh, but you've damaged things in the spirit. Say it so that it passes. It won't pass. What if it becomes worse? Haven't you read the Bible says, let there be no, do everything without grumbling and complaining so that you may be pure, spotless children of God in this wicked generation. That means if you are praying complaints, what kind of sacrifices are you taking into the temple? Hey, I'm teaching you the, the ways of the kingdom of God. There's a way the kingdom of God operates. Hallelujah. Take me to Revelation chapter 8 verse 3. The Bible reads, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. You know, hopefully after this I'll teach you on altars. Then he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. Are you seeing that? And the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, ascended before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. Hallelujah. So if it was rising to God with incense or as incense... Because it's reaching to God as incense. It's beautiful. You are praying and God is smelling a nice incense in the temple. Isn't that interesting? That means there's a temple in heaven and everything you do in your temple of your body and in the house of God is reflecting there. Listen, the moment you get born again, your status changed, changes. You are a priest and you are a temple. Whether you, you are stubborn, whether you are humble, as long as you are saved. And whatever form of sacrifice you give will reflect. Whether it's a stubborn and ignorant sacrifice, fornication, it's reflecting because you are saved. So your file is opened up there. Hey, but I know you are a people that give the good sacrifices. Hallelujah. And then when the prayers come back, they come back with thunderings and lightnings, answers. They are coming back with force. 
earthquakes are mentioned. That means the kingdom of darkness is feeling it. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4 verse 15. The Bible says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. In, uh, 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 the, the, the Passion translation says, No one sought into me financially. There's no church. In other words, they were stingy. Helped the man of God, Paul. Then he says, For even in Thessalonica, when he was in, Thessalon- in Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica, he said, You sent aid. Once and again for my necessities. So even the church he was at in Thessalonica wasn't helping him. But this church in the Philipp- in, in the in Philippine was helping him. Which is a strange thing. How do you not take care of your own pastor? He, anyways. Then he says, not that I seek a gift. Then he says, but I seek fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, they, I'm not saying you should give me things. But I want every time you give, your account. Remember, there's an account in heaven. He says, I want every time you give. Sometimes if you don't have anything to give, find something to give. Because your account in heaven can't be blank simply because you don't have what to give. Find somewhere. Find, find somewhere. Come sweep the church. Let your account do something for God. Come pukuta things. Do, do some. Don't just say I'm broke. No. There's always something you can do. There's always, you can't just be getting. Every time you get, it registers for someone else in heaven. The Bible says, there's a reason why the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed because the person will just not just reap in this life, but the life to come. So every time you are faithful to the word of God, every time you give, something is being recorded for you. So do something. Find out where is the pastor's church office. Just come clean the environment. Clean. Do something. Before I got married, this Deacon Flavian would come, wash my clothes. One day he came and said, Pastor, I want to wash your clothes. I said, come. <laughs> I didn't ask. I gave him an entire bag. Some ladies would come and wash and clean my house. They didn't have money, but they needed something to give before God. And it, <laughs> you need to find something to do. Hallelujah. So he says, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I want fruit into your account. You have an account. How fat is your heavenly account? Some people boast of earthly accounts and how fat they are. How fat is your heavenly account? And trust me, there are beings, judges. One day I walked before judges in heaven. Now, I don't know whether they were angels or what, but I can tell you that these were beings that I found. And they had books. One of the books had to do with the finances. How much money I gave, I would have received, I didn't have. Okay, understood. One of them was calculating how much money I had not given or I had given. Yes. And they were accurate. I could feel the amounts I had not tithed. The amounts I, di- I would have received, I did not receive because I didn't design. Like, the accounts are so intact. Trust me, you've got a heavenly account. 
Then he says, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Then he says, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. So they sent him a gift, but he's saying, when you sent me things to keep me, he says, for my necessities, maybe it was money, maybe it was a gift hamper, I don't know whatever it was. But then you, they gave him a gift, yet God smelled a sweet-smelling aroma. Because when you gave a gift in this earthly temple, it reflected as a sacrifice in the heavenly temple. And God received them as sacrifices. Are you listening to me? In Genesis chapter number 8, verse 20, the Bible reads, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bed and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. He killed, so this is not just an Old Testament thing. Are you noticing that we read the book of Philippians? It's the way that God deals with men. This thing of offering sacrifices and giving is not an Old Testament, New Testament thing. It changes in form, but it's a system that God uses to deal with men. Even in the New Testament, they gave God smells and aroma. There has to be something before the, the throne of God for you. Hallelujah. Then the Lord said in his heart, then, then the Lord said, then, it means it followed after. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. It was because of the sacrifice he smelled. You should learn something. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9.23, therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So the, what we are offering is not bulls and goats, it's better sacrifices, and they are being interpreted differently. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 4, I'll end with this one. Now, Hebrews 7 verse 4, now, Consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. This is talking about Melchizedek, okay? Then we are told, and indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not de derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed of the better. Listen to this. It says, here, mortal men, here in this system, people who are human beings like me, we receive tithes. And then he says, but there, that means in heaven. He receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. In other words, every time you bring your tithes here to me, in the temple, Jesus receives them. This is why you need to, even when you are giving your tithes, you need to have a revelation that when you give it here to a man who lives, who is a mortal man, in heaven, Jesus receives them. So if you are only seeing a man, you'll be offended and you stop doing it. But if you are convinced that the scriptures are right and the, your convictions are based on the word of God, you know that Jesus has to receive my tithes. There, when you give, he receives them. When you give your partnerships, here, the church, we, the men, the board, we receive them. But in heaven, Jesus is receiving your partnerships. There's a spirituality in our giving. It means something. It's not just giving for responsibility. That's part of it. But we must be spiritual people who understand what we are doing. I'm done. Hallelujah.